Hey everyone, welcome to the latest Green Section podcast episode. I'm your host, Adam Miller, USG agronomist in the Northeast and director of the education program. On this episode, I talked with Jill Seymour, who's the superintendent at Charleston Springs Golf Course. And Jill is one of 30 female volunteers headed to Pine Needles for the U.S. Women's Open. And Jill was one of the 30 female volunteers at Olympic Club last year. And we talked a lot about that experience and what it's looking like this year headed into Pine Needles with really a similar setup with 30 female volunteers going to help for the Women's Open there. Here's the conversation with Jill. Jill, I really appreciate you joining me today, especially, I know, I mean, end of May, right leading up to Memorial Day weekend is an extremely busy time of year for everyone. Before we get started into the Women's Open stuff, a lot of winter injury in the Northeast and New Jersey. So uh, did you guys make it out of uh, winter in one piece? We actually did. I just don't think that we had any extended snow coverage. I didn't have any ice coverage this year. Uh, I know last year it was a worry of mine, but this year I was I was good. Everything melted off, and even though I was expecting one more big snow, we never got it. That's great to hear. Um, and again, before we get right into the, the main topic of the Women's Open, I always like to hear how superintendents sort of got their start in turf. I know you were an assistant at the Ridge at Backbrook and at Jericho National before joining the uh, Monmouth County Parks Department as a superintendent. Can you share your introduction into the industry and sort of you know how you found your calling? Well, I found my calling late in a roundabout kind of way. I was originally at Lock Haven University for psychology. I realized I wanted to be outside. So after a few years off of school, I, I actually had a friend who was another female. She was going to Penn State for turf. And I didn't even really know what that was. So once I found out what it was, I went down to Maryland. I thought I'd work on a golf course for a summer. And instantly I was doing setup and, and mowing and doing bunkers. And I fell in love with it. And fortunately, I Penn State being one of the top schools for it. I was living right outside of Penn State. So I enrolled at 26 and jumped right in. We are going to get killed by our listeners who did not go to <laughs> Penn State. Because you're, you're, I mean, you're literally the fifth in a row guest from, from Penn State. So moving on, really, what started as an idea by Troy Flanagan from the Olympic Club really to highlight the achievements of women in turf by, you know, inviting volunteers, uh, female volunteers to uh, the Women's Open last year has really turned into something that's exceeded all expectations. And obviously lots of support from the industry with Kimberly Gard of Syngenta and Stuart Hackwell of Rainbird really helping to make Troy's vision a reality. So how did you get involved last year and what was the overall experience like at the Women's Open and, and the 28 or 9 other female volunteers there? Well, I originally got involved. Uh, I was uh, reached out via email. I had originally a couple years ago gone to a Bayer Women in Golf event. And off of that, that uh, list of participants got an email saying, hey, is anybody interested in, in doing this? So you know, I definitely jumped on board. I knew some some friends and colleagues that were going after it as well. And uh, we went down and you're right, Stuart and Rainbird and, and Kimberly and Syngenta have been huge. I don't really know if they knew what they were getting into last year because I see it as a continuing, you know, event, which is awesome. So something that Troy, you know, did that I think was different than obviously lots of different championship events or tournament golf have a, a large contingent of volunteers. But I think what, what Troy did with planning some education and, and working with Kimberly around that with uh, different speakers and hospitalities, just other events, 
uh, that were going on. You were there, obviously, to prepare the, the course for a major championship for the Women's Open last year, but you had a, a number of other things going on. So can you walk us through kind of a typical day or, or maybe a not-so-typical day last year at Olympic Club for the Women's Open? Yeah, so they, they did. They incorporated a, a lot of educational and just resource kind of information and speakers uh, with us. So, you know, we would uh, wake up around 3.30 for 4.30 meeting. We'd be there to get our job assignments. We'd go out and uh, do our assigned jobs for about four hours, depending on what job you had. And then we'd come in, we'd have breakfast, and then we'd get into whatever was set up for us for the day, whether it be educational uh, guest speakers, you know, we had some of the, the members of the Olympic Club there to talk with us. We had motivational people there to speak with us. Uh, we had a golf course architect that was there, members of the USGA. And so we get, you know, a couple hours of, of that. And then, then we would have maybe two hours to then go watch golf or try to get a, a nap in if we could. And then uh, we're back at afternoon meeting, having dinner and getting ready to go out for our evening job. That's really cool. I think it's super unique having all that other stuff involved, and it, it, I'm sure it was uh, challenging just knowing the early start times, and then you're kind of trying to stay focused on, you know, whether it's education or, or whatever uh, else was going on there. So really neat, cool that that uh, that was all set up. So during the championship itself, the coverage of sort of the women and turf volunteers. Uh, aspect really took off on social media and really in the entire golf industry. Even players and mainstream media were talking about, you know, your your team's involvement there. Did you guys get a sense at the time of the buzz around you, like what what you were accomplishing, what you were participating in, or were you just sort of so locked in on course prep and the actual experience? Leading up to it, I don't think anyone really had a sense of what this was going to amount to. And I think once we got there and, you know, we were getting pulled out for interviews or different media things, I think we're kind of like, huh, you know, and as the payers were coming by and they're, we're sitting behind the 16th green and they're waving to us, y'all sitting there saying thank you. I think we were starting to get a little bit of an idea of the, the impact that we were having with this. I don't think we knew to what extent because I think it continued to grow after. And just from last year preceding this year's event, it has continued to grow, and I think there's so much more. I think there's going to be so much more media coverage and uh, around this year's event as well. I think it's just continuing to grow, which is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. It seems like there's there's already a lot of momentum. I know there's some some cool content that's going to be created, both in lead up and uh, during the event. So that's exciting. When you're, you know, when you're in that scenario, you're immersed in major championship course maintenance, long days, lots of work, you know, but it's also a chance that through the, through the downtime or the actual work you're doing itself on the course, you've got an opportunity to build some really strong, long lasting relationships with, with colleagues. So have you been able to stay in touch with fellow volunteers and build on the shared experience that you guys had? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you, you, I'm on group texts with some of the girls. We're all on, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, we're all on a WhatsApp together. So there's like a 2020, uh, 21 US Open WhatsApp, and then there's a 2022. And it's, it's not only how we can communicate through the event, but it's leading up to it. I mean, even today, they're, you know, everybody's jibber jabbering about all kinds of stuff leading up to it. So definitely all stay in touch. And, and, just like any other group too, you have your tighter knit people that you're staying together more, more often. And there's a lot of communication too, about the job. Uh, you know, when we're talking about things, I'll reach out to Alex Hills down at 
down in Florida and ask her about a piece of equipment that we were talking about. And she had the name or a dealer or whatnot. And we'll talk about chemicals and, and stuff like that as well. Switching gears a little bit, and obviously we're right on the heels of uh, the Women's Open at Pine Needles. This podcast will come out during the second round uh, of, of that event. So Superintendent David Fructy is going to be hosting, this is the record, fourth Women's Open there, uh, and is really looking to build on what Troy Flanagan established in 2021 with more education and networking opportunities. So have you gotten a, a sneak peek at what's on the agenda or is anything that you're really looking forward to? We're actually going to get a day where we get to go over to Pinehurst and tour that facility, which is going to be nice. I know we have the USGA coming in and they're going to do a whole presentation on leading up to the preparation for the Open, which is always super cool. And we're going to have a couple of the players come and visit us. And, uh, you know, some other some other educational stuff, too. We have GCSAA coming in, Shalia Finney, and uh, Carrie Haug, who is um, uh, an architect. She's going to come in and talk to us a little bit. So we have a little bit of stuff. I'm sure they have some prizes in store for us as well. And hopefully it's it's a little warmer <laughs> for you guys than what it was last year. I mean, that's San Francisco in uh, in late May was a shock to, uh, to probably a lot of people. Certainly to me, I, I was got there and it was sunny in 65 and everyone was like so excited about the weather and I'm like, well, what's the big deal? And then the championship started and it seemed like it didn't get above 60. So I think we'll be a little bit warmer in pine needles for this one. I think so. I was a little surprised last year when I started unpacking of my goodie bag and I have like down material and a winter hat. I'm kind of a little getting nervous, but this year they actually just screenshotted us on our group text this morning that it was going to be, I think, mid-60s in the evening and 89, 90 degrees during the day. So it looks nice. Yeah, definitely a little bit of a change of pace, but you're just, just getting ready for a New Jersey summer, right? Oh, yeah. So about half the volunteers from last year at Olympic Club will head to Pine Needles, and the other half of, I think it's roughly about 30 women or so, will be first-time attendees uh, including yep. uh, a fellow New Jersey superintendent, Jennifer Torres, who's literally just down the road from you. So are there any other colleagues, you know, besides Jennifer, you're looking forward to, you know, seeing or meeting or connecting with, uh, you know, once you're down in North Carolina? There's always a couple of girls that you've seen their name out and about. You've seen them on Twitter. You know, you've seen posts of their golf course or their athletic fields or whatnot, and you see the work that they're doing. So you're looking forward to you know, actually putting a, a face to the name with, with them and, and chat with them about some things. And then, of course, you know, you're going to see the the girls that, that you, you know, I either met last year in the U.S. Open or that I haven't seen since, say, the Bear event, you know, a few years back. So I'm, it's, it's going to be, I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing all these girls. And actually, Jennifer Torres, I, I'm looking forward to spending a week with her. Um, she, I've only met her briefly at a conference. And we are, we're only about five miles apart and, uh, I don't, I don't really <laughs> know her much at all. That just, that just speaks to how busy superintendents are. I think it, it, it's really hard to, you know, sometimes in the off season you find some time to, to meet all your peers in your area, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a busy, busy job as you know, all too well. Looking specifically at Pine Needles, have you been there before? It's got a pretty illustrious history with the Women's Open, although they've hosted four but not that you know not over that many years Kari Webb won it uh Christy Kerr uh, both in the 2000s Annika won it in 96 so definitely some some big name champions there so have you been to Pine Needles um and then is there any aspect specifically about the course that you're you're really interested to sort of see how it responds to championship preparations 
I haven't been there before, uh, but of course I'm I'm very interested in, in the setup. That's why I'm so interested in the, the USGA presentation on prepping for it. I'm super excited. There's a lot of buzz about Annika coming back, so that'll be kind of cool. But uh, I'm just looking forward to getting down there. I know it has a long history with women, both women members, you know, women players, a bunch of the women events, not only the Open but others. So I'm I'm excited to get down there and help out. Do you get a sense of a trend with just more women becoming interested in a career in turf, whether it's in maintenance, sales, research, academia? I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll see more, you know, talented women join superintendent ranks in the coming years, but I'd like to get your input on that. I think we're out there. I think we just don't know so much that we're out there. Um, like I said, Jennifer Torres is five miles down the road and, you know, I didn't really know until recently that she was right there. So I think we're out there and it's just a matter of, of finding each other and kind of, you know, getting together and sharing ideas and stuff and, and uh, just spending some time together. But I, with events like this, where uh, we're more out in the open and, you know, if you have uh, young women and girls in, in college or school that are kind of liking, you know, this sort of work and they don't have to go and do something else because this isn't really a woman's profession, you know, when they, when they see the, the coverage and they see us out there doing it, they, they realize that this is something that they actually can do. I wanted to follow up on on that with the turf research and academia side. You're in an adjunct turf faculty role uh, in New Jersey, so can you talk about the importance of female turf scientists and educators as advocates for women in turf as well? I mean, by nature, these positions really have a broad reach and influence. Well, and that's the thing. I think that they see they'll see so many more potential, you know, women in turf than than we would ever see out on the golf course. Uh, we see them when the resumes come across our desk or they give us a phone call where they, they'll see whole classrooms of people that are interested in that field, but not really quite knowing what they can do with it. So, you know, maybe they can, you know, present some things and, and get a hold of these girls and show them that they can do any aspect of it that they want. They don't have to stay in education or research, but they can actually get out in the field and, and be the superintendents and assistant superintendents. So along those lines, we've we've talked on this show a number of times asking guests sort of to talk about the importance of uh, of mentorship and, and who their mentors were in their career. So was there anyone really instrumental in the development uh, of your career, you know, to get you started and, and eventually move your way up into the position you now have? Definitely. I think uh, my my biggest mentor was Dave Livingston. He was my boss when I was working at, I was the assistant at the turf research facility at Penn State, a Valentine research facility. He kind of gave me right after my internship there, he offered me the assistant's position while I was working through school. And he taught me everything from, you know, how to fix machines to he made me, made me learn how to weld, you know, all of that. And he just taught me how to, how to be, how to work with the students and, and have a calm demeanor and just roll with the weather and and everything else they have to deal with. So he was definitely hugely inf- influential. Looking at, at you know your your career so far and kind of reflecting on on where you've come from, you know if if you're a young woman or anyone for that matter who's interested in joining a maintenance crew or enrolling in a turf school or just a career in golf course management, what's some key advice or guidance you would give them? You know that might lead them to to find the same success you've had in the profession. I mean, I think just go for it. Just and and it's not just pertaining to this job, but uh, any job. Just go for it. You know, as long as you put 110 percent in, you have just as much right to be there as as anyone else. Keep your eye on the prize and keep doing what you need to do. Work hard. No excuses. Just do what you have to do. Jill, you've been extremely generous with your time. Like I said, I know you've got a million things going on, and you're about to 
head to North Carolina. One last question for you. You know, reflecting on all the success of last year, and and I I'm not going to jinx you guys. I know it's going to be hugely successful this year. Do you think we're going to see this Women in Turf Initiative and the Women's Open Partnership really become an annual tradition and and something that we'll look forward to from years to come? Absolutely. Uh, I hope so. I mean, you just think this year, this year alone, we've gained 15 new women heading into the 30 women uh, pool that's going out to Pine Needles. And you look at next year, Bubba's already committed uh, out of Pebble Beach to have The other 15 from last year, plus hopefully an additional 15 new from over on the West Coast region, you know, and then we're looking at, uh, we're looking at down the road at the, the Lancaster Country Club, Aaron Hills, hopefully the rest of those superintendents are are on board with this. And if we could bring out 15 new women each year, that's huge. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for all all those events. And I, I really, the Women's Open is to me, one of the, the most enjoyable championships that, that we have to to go to, to volunteer at, and, you know, the volunteers, the maintenance team, we often say this, I mean, all the other stuff, hospitality, you know, things like that, that's icing on the cake, that's nice, like, we we absolutely need the maintenance team, the ground staff, the volunteers to run a USGA championship, so we can't thank you guys enough for everything that you're doing, and we're really excited about uh, where this initiative is going to continue to go in the future. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jill. Thanks for listening to the USGA Green Section podcast. Be sure to subscribe, listen, and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also keep up with the latest content on Twitter and by subscribing to the Green Section Record, our digital publication that's published twice a month.